Have your Bibles, turn them open with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This morning we're going to cover a topic that I think is critical for us to understand, especially in light of all we've covered the past four weeks here at Westridge. And uh, here's the topic for the morning. The topic is suffering. Suffering. And I want to clarify on the type of suffering that I'm talking about because I do realize that there are several of you in the room this morning who, when it comes to life and life circumstances, you get suffering. Like, I know that there are many of you in the room that could stand on this stage and share stories of family falling apart, share stories of bad news at the doctor, share stories of the tragic loss of a loved one or some kind of emotional or physical abuse. I do realize that there are many of you who get that kind of suffering. Um, The kind of suffering that we're going to talk about this morning, though, is different than that. The type of suffering that we're going to address this morning is the suffering that comes when you and I, as Christ followers, when we make a decision to truly pursue and to truly follow after Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about what it means and what it looks like to suffer for the sake of righteousness. Now, here's why we're doing this. Because over the past four weeks here at Westridge, we've talked about what it looks like to love God and to love people. We've talked about what it looks like to intentionally pursue Jesus individually and alongside other believers to grow in our relationship with him. We've talked about what it means and what it looks like to serve in the church and to serve the less fortunate. And we've talked about going out into the world and sharing the good news. And I know over the past several weeks, many of us have taken steps and made decisions to do all of those things. Some of you are are pursuing Jesus like never before. Um, some of you guys came to group link a couple of weeks ago and you got signed up for a journey group for the first time. Um, some of you guys were at volunteer summit and you jumped into serving, uh, and you've never done that before. And then last week when Brian stood on the stage and he asked us if we wanted to commit to live missionally, the majority of you guys that were here stood right. And you said, man, I am in Now, I don't want to be Debbie Downer or burst anyone's bubble, but here is the promise from Scripture to all of us that commit to that life. Okay, the promise is this. You will suffer. According to the Bible, suffering for those of us who love Jesus and are pursuing him is not an optional thing. And I just want to read you some verses um, in case you don't believe me, okay? You don't have to flip to all these places. You can listen, and uh, they're going to be on the screen for you as well. Okay, listen to this. John 15. If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Acts chapter 14, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Now listen to this, encouraging them to continue in the faith And saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. 
Romans chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 2 Corinthians 4, this is the stuff that was on the screen a minute ago. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. 2 Timothy 3.12, I don't know if it gets any clearer than this. Listen, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will what? Will be persecuted. Peter, listen to what Peter had to say to the early church. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter's looking at the church and going, this is what you signed up for, right? Don't think it's weird when people come knocking on your door to persecute you. He says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And finally, Paul in Philippians chapter one, here's what he had to say. He said, for it has been granted. Now this means it's been given to you as a gift. It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Now, I I could go on and on and on. I could read verse after verse after verse. I actually had to weed out verses so I didn't just read verses about suffering all uh, service long. I think we're smart people, and I hope that we get the point. And again, here's the point. If you love Jesus and you're truly following him, you will suffer. Now, before anybody questions why you got up to come to church today to receive this encouraging, life-changing news... Let me tell you why it's so important for us to understand this promise. Here's why. It's important for you to get this because if you don't expect hardship and trials to come your way as a follower of Jesus and you don't know how to respond when they do, you're probably going to bail on everything you say you believe when they show up. Suffering's going to come, hardship's going to come, persecution's going to come, things are going to get too hard, and you're going to leave, right? Like, it's all good when you're following Jesus and things are great, but when things get a little ugly and it gets tough, if you don't know how to respond, man, it's going to be really hard for you to hang in there. But here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, if you expect suffering to come, and if you know how to deal with it and how to respond to it, your faith in Jesus Christ will become more real to you and to the world around you than you can possibly imagine. Let's look at Matthew 5, and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Matthew 5, we're going to start reading in verse 10, and this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so, they per, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus, in these verses, is telling us as his followers that when suffering comes, we should respond with what? Whining, complaining, fussing, leaving, bailing. No, here's what Jesus says. He says, when suffering comes your way as my follower, you should feel blessed. You should feel blessed. That word in the original Greek language is a word makarios, and it literally means happy or fortunate. Later on in the same passage we just read, Jesus says, when it comes your way, you should rejoice and be glad. That's weird, isn't it? I mean, that's really weird. And it gets even weirder when you start to understand the kind of suffering that Jesus says we'll encounter as his followers. The first type he says, and he listed in this passage, he says, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be persecuted. That word persecution means to chase or to drive out or to pursue. Jesus says, you choose me, you choose righteousness, you choose to live the godly life you were saved for and created for. There will be those people that will want to drive you out and drive you away from them. Let me give you some easy examples so you get this. You make a commitment to, to truly love Jesus, truly follow after him. There are going to be friends and maybe even some of your families who want to push you away. All right. Um, you might not get invited to the neighborhood cookout. Like some of your coworkers, they might not want to have lunch with you quite as often, right? Some of your families even might not want you come into their house for the holidays anymore. This is what it means to be driven out, to be chased away, to be pursued. See, it's this picture of you living this life for Christ that is in direct opposition to the life people around you want to live. And they just don't want to be around you because of it. This is what Jesus means when he says you will be persecuted. If you want to picture this. Go back and read the book of Acts. This is exactly what was going on with the early church. People would come to know Jesus sometimes by the thousands. And they would start pursuing him, going into the communities, loving people, sharing Jesus and sharing the forgiveness of sins. And you know what happened? They were hunted down. They were chased down. They were beaten. They were arrested. And some were killed. They were being persecuted. It makes me think of a story... Um, that came out earlier this year about what was happening to Christians in Nigeria. In Nigeria, back in April, there was a, a Christian man who was elected president there. And as soon as he was elected president, Muslim extremists, they started rioting and they started going after Christians. And in the weeks following this election, these Muslims killed more than 500 people, burned over 150 churches to the ground, hurt over 275 people, and forced over 31,000 people from their homes. And you know why? It's because the people loved Jesus. It's because people loved Jesus and they were following him. That's why. This is the promise. They will chase you away. They will pursue you. There will be people who want to drive you out. Jesus says, not only that, but there are going to be people who revile you. Now, that's a weird word that we don't use too often these days. So let me tell you what it means. It, it literally means to cast in one's teeth. For us to understand it, let me give you a simple definition. It means to abuse someone with vicious, mocking words. 
maybe this has happened to you before, right? Like you love Jesus, you're pursuing Jesus, you share Jesus with somebody. And the next thing you know, they are looking you square in the face, telling you how ridiculous you are, how stupid you are, how crazy it is that you would actually believe what you believe right? They're abusing you with their words. Jesus says, if you're one of my followers, this is going to happen to you. Uh, I remember um, at the first church I ever served at back in 2000, uh, I was a student pastor there and we would take our students out every Tuesday night for church visitation. You guys remember those days? We, We would go out and we'd take a group of students, not only to visit visitors who had come to the church the Sunday before, but we would actually knock on doors in neighborhoods. And we would invite people to our church and we would tell people about Jesus. I cannot tell you how many doors we had slammed in our face simply because we spoke the name of Jesus. I mean, I have kids come and go, dude, that guy just cussed me out and shut the door. Why? What did you do? I just told him Jesus loved him, right? And Jesus is going, dude, if you're my follower, it's going to happen. That's part of the deal. Over my years in ministry, I've sat down with people who claim to know Jesus, but who live a lifestyle very contrary to the life Jesus has called us to live. I can't tell you how many times I've sat across the table from people and said, man, listen, you say you know him, but these areas, they don't match up. Man, what's going on? And people look you in the face and they go, you have no business being in my business. You have no right to judge me. How dare you call me on this stuff? Who do you think you are, right? Here's something that's free. You know, as Christians, we have the right to judge each other, right? Like if you claim the name of Jesus, you know that I and everybody else who knows Jesus has every right to be in your business. That's part of being a community of believers. We call each other on the junk in our lives and we do it lovingly, right? We do it lovingly so that we spur one another on toward becoming more and more like Jesus. But Jesus goes, hey, that's going to happen. People are going to get angry. They're going to say some hurtful things to your face if you're my follower. The other thing that Jesus says, and I think this is just so frustrating. Jesus says there are going to be people that speak falsely about you. So here's the deal. You're following Jesus. You love Jesus. You're pursuing the life Jesus has called you to. There are going to be people that behind your back drag your name through the mud. They're just going to talk about you because you love Jesus. They're going to they're pin you down on things you've said, on things that you've done, and they're just going to talk bad about you for the sake of talking bad about you. Jesus says again, this is part of the deal. Actually, in Luke uh, 6, Jesus says that, that you should be careful. He says, woe to you if people only speak well of you. I mean, this is Jesus going, if all anybody has to say is good stuff about you, you might be doing something wrong, right? You might not really be following after me. And Jesus says, as a follower of mine, man, this is just the way it is. So let's bring this back full circle. In these verses, Jesus says that those people that are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, those people that are driven away, chased, pursued, spoken badly about to their faces, lied about behind their backs, should feel happy, fortunate, and joyful. We should be glad. And again, this statement in and of itself seems really, really weird. And it goes against everything that seems natural to us. But when you start to understand the promise that comes along with experiencing this kind of suffering, it doesn't seem weird anymore. Jesus said those people that are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, 
not the people that are persecuted because they're annoying. There are those Christians, right? That like nobody likes them and they think they're doing something right. But in reality, it's just because they're annoying because they want to fight all the time. They want to argue all the time. They don't really love people. It's just, I I don't know what it is, but Jesus says the people that are persecuted for righteousness sake, here's the promise. You get the kingdom, you get the kingdom. And Jesus says, and when you get there, your reward will be great. This is the promise. This is what we hang our joy and our happiness on when persecution and suffering comes our way. This promise makes me think about a story that came out in March about two Indian men who had been thrown in prison. They were arrested from a prayer meeting for being Christians. They were interrogated, they were beaten, they had their Bibles destroyed, and they were thrown in jail. And as far as I know, they're still there. One of the men's names was Vasantha. And he got to call his wife and his pastor from prison. He told them that he had been pressured to, to convert to Islam, but he refused. And then here's the statement he made to his wife and to his pastor. He said, if I have to die for my God, I will die for him here. It makes me think again about the men in the book of Acts who ran into the world with courage and with boldness to share Jesus with sinful people. And you see, here's the thing. They were being arrested, beaten, killed, thrown in jail, and they knew the worst thing that could happen to them would be that they would be killed for what they were preaching. But it was okay with them because they knew if they died, they'd show up in the kingdom and their reward would be great. It makes me think of Paul, who in Philippians 1 is sitting in jail, arrested for what he had been preaching about Jesus. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. I mean, he had been hunted down. And in Philippians 1, he says what? He says, man, if I'm alive, it's all about Jesus. And if I die, it's even better because I'll be with him. You see, this is what we have to hang our hats on, friends. When persecution comes our way, the joy, the happiness is a direct result of what waits on us on the other side. Persecution and death isn't a big deal when you realize what waits for you. And what is it? It's the kingdom. It's a reward. In Romans 8, Paul says, man, what we suffer here in this present time, we cannot even compare to the glory that's going to be revealed to us in that day when we step into the kingdom. Church. Here is my question for you. If that's true, if what we experience in this life can't be compared to what we're going to experience in the next, and loving Jesus and following him should be worth us experiencing some hard things here, let me ask you this. Which life are you truly focused on? Like, which life are you living for? When you crawl out of bed in the morning, are you thinking about here or are you thinking about there? I, I saw this example, this illustration once, and I, I thought I'd share it. Um, a guy named Francis Chan, who I respect and love dearly, uh, I saw him do this and I thought I'd share it with you. I, I want you to just imagine with me, and I know this rope, it's 50 foot long, but um, let's pretend, okay? Uh, this rope, let's just pretend it goes on forever. Paid no attention to the fact that it ends there, Okay. This rope is going to represent two things. There's this little red part on the end that represents our life here on this earth. So this is, this is our years now. This white part represents wait, what waits for us. This is eternity. 
Now, here's the concerning thing a lot of times, and, and I wanted to show you this because I want to get you, a, I want to give you a picture of it. A lot of times what you and I do is we focus so hard on this tiny little red part and we try to figure out how can I be comfortable here? How can I avoid trouble here? How can I be successful here? How can I pull off what I want to pull off here? And we spend all of our time living for this while not giving this, right? The part that truly matters much attention. You see, for those of us that are in the room, what tends to happen as followers of Jesus, when we're so focused on this, as we run out into the world, we want to avoid trouble. We want to stay comfortable. So we keep our mouths shut. We don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. We don't see Jesus's name too loudly, right? Um, what happens is we have friends in our lives that never even know we're Christians because we're trying to be comfortable while we're here. This book though teaches this doesn't really matter that much. Like in reality, this should simply be preparation for this. Like you and I should be waking up every single moment of every day living for that moment where the red meets the white. When you and I step into the kingdom and we see Jesus face to face. And when you truly love him and you're truly following him and you get what waits for you on the other side as a follower of Jesus. You see, you'll spend all this tiny little part, this mist that the Bible calls it. It's here and it's gone. It's a blip on the radar in the scheme of eternity. When you truly are following after Jesus, you'll get up every day and you'll run into the world and you'll love the broken and you'll offer hope to the hopeless and you'll share with sinners that Jesus loves them and he came to rescue them. And when suffering comes your way, you'll respond with happiness and joy and you'll be glad because you understand when this is over, this is coming and there's a reward waiting on you that does not compare with what you experienced here. That's what a follower of Jesus Christ cares about. Church. What life are you living for? What are you caught up in? What's important to you? Here's what I thought it would be good for us to do this morning. I, I want to close first by giving those of you sitting in the room a chance, if you don't know Jesus, to come to know Jesus. And I know it's weird, man. Like, let's give in. Hey, you're going to suffer if you sign up to follow Jesus. Come to know him. But you know what? Guess what? That is the decision that the majority of people across the world face. Listen, there are places right now across China, for example, where if someone wants to come to know Christ, a guy like me stands up, preaches a message, he goes, place your faith in Jesus. You could be hunted down. You could be arrested. You could lose your family. You could lose your job. You could be put to death. You know what's happening in China right now? People are coming to know Jesus in droves and they're being publicly baptized, not caring what will happen. So this morning, listen to me, church. It could be hard at times, but if you do not know Jesus, I want to tell you, Jesus loves you and he came here to rescue you, to save you from your sins and he wants a relationship with you and eternity matters much more than this, than this life here on this earth. And if you don't know him, I want you to come to know him this morning and so does he. So, so let's do this. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to give you a chance to respond first. And then for the rest of us, I want to share some stories with you in just a few minutes of how some of our brothers and sisters are suffering across the world for the sake of Jesus. And we're going to take a few minutes and pray for them this morning together as a church. Okay. So let's do this. Let's just bow our heads, close our eyes right where we are.
if you don't know Jesus this morning, there's no magic prayer that saves anyone, but the Bible does say that if we will confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that God will save us. And so this morning, I would just invite you to make a confession before God if you don't know Jesus. And you can just say something like this to him. God, this morning, I believe that you love me. And I believe that Jesus came here to this earth to save me from my sins. And I believe that what he did on the cross for me, God, was payment for my sins. And I believe that he rose from the grave three days later to bring me eternal life. And this morning, God, I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. Give me eternal life. God, save me. I place my faith and trust in Jesus and him alone. Here's the promise from the scriptures. You confess that God saves you. And he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you to enable you to live the life he's asked you to live here in this world. And I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, if you will, at the end of the service, if you made that decision to trust Christ for the first time this morning, I want to ask you inside your ministry guide to take out the connection card, just fill it out and check the box that said, I pray to receive Jesus as my savior today. You can take it out the doors to the help center and you can just hand it to somebody there. We would just love to get some things to you that are going to help you in the right direction as you start to follow Jesus. For the rest of us, you can look back up. Here's why I want to read these stories to you and take time to pray for our brothers and sisters before we go today. There are men and women right now across this planet who are experiencing things that you and I can never imagine simply because they love Jesus. And here's what I believe. I believe that their courage in the face of what they suffer gives us courage. That these people, you can go and read story after story after story. There's a website called persecution.com. I would encourage you make it a regular habit of going onto that site, persecution.com and reading and praying for your brothers and your sisters in Christ. When I think about these people, when I think about the great reward that waits on us that are persecuted and suffer for the sake of righteousness, I get this picture of us being in heaven together and like these people that I'm about to read to you um, about, I picture these people kind of seated at the table. They're crowded around Jesus. They're eating off the best plates. They're drinking the best drinks. And I picture myself being the guy in the back with like the paper plate and the hot dog, right? Because I'm telling you, I don't know what it's like to suffer like this and neither do you. And neither do you. But again, this morning, I pray that their courage gives us courage. This is a story out of Pakistan. This is a lady. Her name is Asia Bibi. And she was arrested by police on June 19th, 2009 and charged with blasphemy. She's still in jail to this day. And the reason she was arrested was this. Listen, she reportedly told coworkers that our Christ sacrificed his life on the cross for our sins and our Christ is alive. For these statements, she was taken into a room and she was beaten and she was locked up there. Local Christians informed the police who then took Asia into protective custody. Christians urged police not to file blasphemy charges, but pressure from local Muslim leaders forced the police to ignore their request. Bibi was convicted of blasphemy and sentenced to death. 
past two years, this lady has been sitting in jail waiting to die because she looked at two of her friends and said, Jesus loves you. And he died for the forgiveness of your sins and he's alive today. This next story comes out of Iran. There's a pastor there named Pastor Youssef who's been sentenced to death for what is called a thought crime. Voice of the Martyr contacts confirm that the pastor's trial was held in recent weeks, but a formal verdict has not yet been delivered by the court. Pastor Youssef, a leader in the Full Gospel Church of Iran network, is one of several members of his church who have been imprisoned. The Iranian government has also threatened his wife with life imprisonment and has threatened to take away their two children who are currently being cared for by relatives. Listen to this. This is what he's arrested for and charged with and is going to be put to death for if something doesn't change. Pastor Youssef was arrested in October 2009, two years ago, after protesting a decision by the government requiring that his son study the Quran. That's what he did. So he's charged with a thought crime and he's waiting to die. There's a country in East Africa, tiny little country called Eritrea, where Christians are just being hammered for what it is they believe. Right now in Eritrea, um, one of the government leaders has sent out a decree through this country that the country be purged of all Christians. So Christians there are literally running for their lives. And, and the natural thing for them to do, what a lot of them are doing, is they're heading north out of the country, and they're heading through Egypt, and they're trying to get into Israel. Okay, listen to what's going on. It says, hundreds of Eritrean Christians enter Egypt each month in hope of reaching Israel. Some Eritrean refugees die while attempting the 900-mile journey through Egypt. And others are shot to death as they cross the Egypt-Israel border. Many of the refugees end up in Egyptian prisons or are held hostage for $20,000 ransoms by Muslim nomads who frequently work with human traffickers. Hostages who cannot pay the ransom are killed. There are currently between 500 and 600 Eritrean prisoners in Egyptian custody and as many as 200 are currently held by sex traffickers. The refugees face sexual abuse, torture, beatings, and enslavement at the hands of both Egyptian authorities and Muslim gangs. And the reports are that the Christians' faith is the cause of their treatment. I just want us to ask the Lord to be with our brothers and sisters this morning. Again, I could keep reading story after story after story after story. But I want us to pray and ask the Lord to strengthen these people. People who we may never see until the other side of eternity. And I want us to pray that their courage would give us courage. Will you join with me? Let's pray for our friends. Father, this morning, I want to stop. And I want to pray specifically for Asia right now who is sitting in prison for sharing Jesus with her friends. God, would you strengthen her? God, let your Holy Spirit encourage her in this moment. I pray, God, that you would make her faith strong, that she would stand in the face of adversity and that the community watching God would see you and her and many people would come to know Jesus as a result of her faith and her perseverance. 
God, I want to pray for Pastor Yusuf right now, God, in Iran, who's sitting in prison, waiting to die. God, give him strength. Encourage him. Give him courage and boldness, God, to stand in the face of what he is facing. God, be with his wife and be with his children. God, surround them with people who can hold them up. God, I just pray that you be their rock right now. God, let that community see you and see how real you are, God, through their faith. And I pray that many lives would be changed as a result of what they're experiencing at this moment. God, I want to pray for our brothers and sisters in East Africa. God, as many of them right now are running for their lives. God, as many of them right now, God, are being held in slavery are being forced to do horrific things that we cannot wrap our brains around simply because they love you. God, strengthen them. God, give them courage. Give them boldness. Just keep speaking the name of Jesus. God, and I pray that the world watching, God, would see their faith. God, and believe in Jesus. God, this morning I pray God, that the courage of our brothers and sisters would give us courage. God, help us to not get so caught up in this life, God, but to truly live every moment of every day focused on what's next, focused on your kingdom, focused on the reward that waits for us there. God, help us to run through this life with perseverance, loving Jesus, loving people, no matter what may come. God, we believe Jesus is worth it. God, we love you and we thank you, God, for giving the life of your son for ours. God, this morning we pray that you're honored in this place. Give us courage to share Jesus with all who need to know him. God, we pray this in his name. Amen.